The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? I see a world where people are forced to bring millions of new humans into the world against their will. I see that as unacceptable. And I understand how people might see abortion as disagreeable. But when I think that you compare those two worlds, I think one is one can be disagreeable and one is unacceptable. I don't know. That's just the way I look at it in terms of like net suffering. And people talk all the time, you know, a a big thing in pro-life communities is the mental health of the mother when she has an abortion. And I'm like, you want to talk about the The mental mental health health. of a mother who's forced to be a mother? Yep. Like, have you all ever gone through having a baby? I wanted my I wanted my baby and she came and I suffered Mm -hmm. postpartum with anxiety and OCD and all these things that so many other mothers deal with. Like yeah. you, um, that's the rule, not the exception. Right. Most of us are dealing with that. Especially yeah. in America, yep. like you said, where we have very little support. Anyway, yeah. abortion aside, I think there is a bigger conversation to be had in terms of, like you said, how we can have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And the big thing to me is, look, not everyone is the person to be able to have a respectful conversation with someone mm-hmm. who believes the exact opposite right? I don't expect everyone to go hug a pro-lifer today or, you know, if they're pro-life, <laughs> like, hug, you know, whatever. I get it. It's not yeah. for everyone. But do not shit on people who want to do the work to have compassion and empathy for yes. the people that are on the other side. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Becca Martinez. You know her from the Chatty Broads podcast or you know her from The Bachelor. Becca and her partner in crime, Jess, have been on the podcast before, so you'll have to go back and take a listen to that episode. I've joined them on their podcast, but over the last couple of months, Becca and I have been having some really interesting conversations, and she's been posting a lot of interesting stuff in her stories just about where we're at culturally and as a society. And uh, we agree on a lot of things disagree on some. But when the Roe v. Wade news came out, Becca reached out to me and was like, hey, I would love to come on the podcast and talk about some things that I'm not able to do so on my podcast. And I would love to just have an in-depth conversation with you about where we're at. So I'm really excited to sit down with her today. I appreciate her openness, her vulnerability, and her willingness to have these tough conversations. One thing that I know for sure that we're aligned on, and this is something that I learned from my dear friend, Ashley Marie Preston, who's also been on this podcast. She comes on, we talk about this in depth when she visits. The thing we really agree on is that cancel culture shouldn't be a thing. This is not a time for divisiveness. And while, yes, it's true that I personally have really strong feelings about people who are pro-life, 
I think that we're not going to get anywhere if we continue to move further left and further right. We need to be able to unionize. We need to be able to have these difficult conversations. And instead of calling people out, let's try to call them in. That's a direct quote from Ashley, who is an incredible activist. And if you're not following along with her on Instagram, you should be because she is a wealth of knowledge, too. Her handle is at Ashley Marie Preston. And so, again, we're just so grateful that Becca is joining us today. She is just such a light. And with that, here's this week's episode with Becca Martinez. I'm so excited to sit down with you. One, this is really nice. Last time you were on the pod, it was like over Zoom. We haven't met each other in person. No, this is great. And it's just, it's sometimes it's nice to do a little one-on-one thing. And when you reached out, it was really, it's been something that's been on my mind because I feel like we've, we had very different backgrounds growing up, but a lot of really similar views today. And it just shows you how people can evolve Mm -hmm. and change. Mm -hmm. And it is such a shame that we don't hold space for that. It's like you either need to get on the page now Mm -hmm. And and that's where I would argue. Not only that, you need to have been on the page, by the way. Like, <laughs> yeah, you need to have been there born no on the page. There was no space to never yeah. be on the page, and the stress of that. And it, I mean, I can imagine that. Well, listen, I will say this: in the influencer space, we already get so much pressure mm-hmm. to show up in a certain way, which leads to a lot of performative activism. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually, like, left my journal at home, but I was literally, like, scribbling diagrams the other day <laughs> about, like, with little arrows of, like, okay, then this happens, and then people do this, and then this happens, and then people do this, and then this happens, and, like, because, yeah. yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot that I've processed in the last couple of years because a lot has, so I started being an influencer, like, four years ago after coming off The Bachelor, and a lot has shifted in the last couple of years. A lot of my perspectives on my role mm-hmm. as an influencer, influencer. using... Yeah air quotes, a lot of my positions have shifted and changed of like the way I want to move about the space and all Mm. of my kind of public spaces. A lot of my perspectives have shifted on the ways that I want to move about public media spaces and also the expectations I have for other people in the same position. I will say this, and it's something that um, as I was journaling on this with regards to what I would like to see now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. I'm like, where do we go from here? Because it becomes a really slippery slope when the pendulum swings from one side all the way to the other. And immediately in the aftermath, I could see it online where, and, and this is a normal human reaction to become angry and defensive and walls up and to dig our feet into the ground. And I feel like, the more chaos that is in, ensuing, the more left and right people are going. Oh my God, 100%. Like, yeah, people get pushed into these camps, right? And I mean, I don't even know where to begin, but like, so I was raised in a very conservative Christian home. And I think it gives me a lot of perspectives on ideology. And something that I've really began to unpack over the last year or so 
with loved ones as well who are in similar spaces having come from this and now being here, wherever here is, there's a lot of parallels that I'm noticing from Christian culture that I grew up with, from that ideology and how neoliberalism, leftism, whatever you want to call it, has begun to mimic a lot of these mm-hmm. patterns of ideology. And it's something where I've kind of been like, wait a second, whoa, 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 whoa. I started here and now I'm here, but it's looking like a lot like this. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, I don't think have, a lot of people don't have the, well, actually, I guess a lot of people in, in America do have the perspective of like starting out in, you know, being raised in a very like puritanical Christian home and then ending up on the kind of the other side of the spectrum. But I think it's very easy to slip into the same patterns of Mm -hmm. um, policing and patrolling other people's views and kind of perfectionism and having to put on this mask of like being perfect and sinless and kind of pure in your ideology. So yeah, lately I've been really actually kind of triggered by some of that where I'm like, wait, no, we can't, we can't like move in this direction. It's, really antithetical, I think, to change and progress. Yeah. I really started learning a lot about this from my friend, Ashley. Um, I mentioned her in the intro. Ashley is a black trans woman who hates cancel culture, hates call out culture. She's like, let's call people in, not call them out. And she talks a lot about finding the nuance and the noise. Mm. It starts to get really noisy every time and and I will say this too, from a mental health perspective, they're not even giving us time to process what is happening. I want people no. to realize that like- You're talking about more, as influencers when an event occurs. No, like, no, or, no. Or what do you I'm mean? talking about the people at, in charge uh-huh. of the world. Uh-huh. The elite. The elite. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to call them. <laughs> There's not even, t- I don't even think we'll have time to process COVID for another five years. Yes. And so it's a really dangerous thing when we start to get reactive and start trying to put out, it's like little fires everywhere. Mm. It's not effective. Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes, do I want to be right or do I want to be effective? Mm-hmm. Well, hello, I'm Katie Maloney, and you probably know me from a little show called Banner Bumper Rolls. I've been labeled all kinds of things, a bitch, a bully, and a mean girl. But there is so much more to a person than what you see on TV. Tune in every Friday as I talk to some of my friends and castmates, celebrities, comedians, medical professionals, and maybe some political figures. And by the time we're done, you're going to love me. I'll say this, like, so when Roe versus Wade, when it was announced that it was overturned that Friday morning or whatever, it's crazy. You know, it takes six hours. No, not even probably like three hours before people start DMing being like, why haven't you spoken? Right. And and this is what I also think is ridiculous. If I was to immediately just repost like some fucking tweet, you know, or some infograph. No, 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 no. no. If I had posted like some little infograph or whatever, people would have been like, good, good. She's done her (laughs) action, you know, like very well, you know, like, you know, if I had reposted 15, especially, you know, if I had done like a dozen, let's say all day, Mm -hmm. every hour, 
which would have taken no fucking effort. If every hour yeah. I had just clicked on a little tweet screenshot, reposted it, clicked on an infograph, reposted, clicked on a donation link, reposted, people would have been like, thank you You're done. for speaking out. You did you know? it. Thank, g- yeah. Good job. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, one, I... I think awareness is great, but I, I remember even, I remember being in high school and being in youth group where there'd be like traffic, let's wear this bracelet for trafficking awareness. And I'd be like, okay, and I'm aware that trafficking <laughs> exists now. Now what the fuck do I do, you know? Yeah. And so sometimes it feels like the same kind of rubber bracelet, like read mm. these infographs, right? Of like, I'm aware. Like, but if you look, I've posted some like fundraisers and stuff before. If you look at the number of people that actually call into their senator's office or whatever, the number of people that actually donate, I think that people think that like posting the thing is that is that tangible. No, action. when I actually can, I can see how many people right. click the link. It's like three, you're like, three to five percent. <laughs> three to five percent. Yeah, yeah. Of you know, it's like than none. It's better than none. Sure. Yeah, but a couple hundred people. Like you see, literally, like a couple, like <laughs> like a hundred and twenty thousand people will see it, and then like two hundred people will click the link, yeah. and then you're kind of like, how effective like was that in terms mm-hmm. of my scope of influence and all of that? So I was just kind of like fed up with that, and on Friday I just posted basically like, you know, I was just like, fuck off, dude. Like, give me just space and time to like process this in a way that literally what you're saying, like in a way that. Um, I feel is effective and I don't know how people responded to it because I was just like, I'm not even going to check my DMs. This is stupid. But I was also very, very aware of just even just so talking about Roe v. Wade and just my background with abortion. I and I hope that this can give people some empathy and compassion into where people are coming from. I think it was probably like seven or eight where my mom first showed me photos of little severed hands mm-hmm. on a quarter, you know, where I I was probably barely a teenager, if that, when I saw a video of a surgical abortion and seeing a fetus trying to get away from the scalpel. Bro, that shit will that fucks fuck you, you up. 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 Yeah. I don't care who you are, especially yeah. though when you're an impressionable young child, you're like, yeah. holy shit. And I think like coming from that perspective, I mean, I can't even count the number of like pro-life like clubs where we would literally go and we would strategize how to do like logical arguments with people who Mm -hmm. are pro-choice. We would go to college campuses and we never did like the big billboards with the the severed uh, fetuses or whatever. Um, Thank God. They were like, this is upsetting to people. And I'm like, yeah, don't say. (laughs) Um, But they would have like a billboard literally really like taller than this room with the different like gestational stages mm-hmm. you know and and so you'd talk to people and be like well is it okay to abort at this stage and people mm-hmm. would be like no and be like what about this stage and to be like and then you know you go through this whole logical thing anyway I was doing that as a 14 year old on college campuses like this was my mom's like it was a big big issue important issue for her so you know, me coming from that, and it's so interesting because I've talked to my boyfriend who was raised in Santa Monica and probably a similar culture to kind of what you grew up in. He was like, I've literally never heard anyone talk about abortion the way that you Mm -hmm. talk about it. He's like, I don't know anyone like 
anyone who comes from the perspective that you do. And I was like, yeah, dude, it's fucking intense. Like you really don't understand. Like if, you know, it, I believe that anything you teach your child is like some form of indoctrination because we all have our views that we're like teaching our children. 100%. Right? Right? And I'll fully own that. <laughs> I'm, I'm raising my kids liberal. Right, right. I'm period. indoctrinating them. If you ask my daughter who Trump is, she might say he's a monster because she's heard her mom say it. <laughs> right, right, right. A hundred percent. And is that like necessarily like fair or teaching our children critical thinking skills? I mean, I do my best, but they pick up on what the culture and environment of where they are raised. They want to be like period. You. They want to be like mom yeah. and dad. They like look up to you, right? Like yeah. especially when maybe not when they get older, but you know, when they're yeah. a little kid, <laughs> oh, they're like she's <laughs> totally gonna rebel. Fifteen, like I she's nine now. I'm like I've got two more nice years. She's going to become it. like a conservative nice. Trumper. She's like, <laughs> she's like, mom, she MAGA. <laughs> that might be my destiny. This is retribution, mom. <laughs> Man, but like, so my point being to him was like, yeah, I got indoctrinated with this. You got indoctrinated with like my body, yeah. my choice. It's a clump of cells. That's just, that's all yeah. you, that's, that was your perspective. But there's up. a middle ground. And I there saw is. this TikTok and I cannot wait to dive into this with you because Ooh. if we want to talk about effective change, like the way to it is by having respectful conversations. When when a pro-life person really believes that abortion is murder, yeah. referring to a embryo or a fetus as a clump of cells is never going to get you anywhere. Uh uh-uh. And if anything, it, that's what that's where I was going it with that. Makes it makes them digs go deep, you're like, di- deeper. Yeah, yeah. You're like that's a that's an affront. You're like actually. I've seen a baby hand on a quarter. <laughs> exactly. You're like that was fucking twelve weeks yeah, long. Like yeah. hands shaking. You're like that's a fucking. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. And the other person's like, no, it's not. It's a clump of cells. Right, and it's right. like, God, there's a fucking middle mm-hmm. ground here. And so what this woman was talking about on TikTok that I thought was really interesting is she said, what changed my mind was this. When my father had a stroke and he was on life support, Uh my family sat by his side for three weeks and we watched him wither away on life support. That was a human being who was now on life support who had some brainwave activity and a beating heart. And we made the decision to pull the plug. Some people who have a stroke do survive. Many do not. And she goes, so I don't know how I could, if I really believe abortion is murder because you stopped a heartbeat, then did I just murder my dad? Mm Mm-hmm. And this is where we start to find the nuance Mm -hmm. and the complexity in these situations. And we begin to have this dialogue that makes you think critically outside of what you've been taught. But you're never going to get anywhere yelling about it's just a clump of cells. Get over it. Yeah. And also these like logical through lines that we are or the through lines of logic don't usually really add up. Right. So like conservatives will say you don't like guns, don't own one. Right. Mm-hmm. And people are like, no, fuck that. But then liberal people will say you don't want an abortion, don't have one. So it's like this logic like is not even holding up across other issues that you care about, right? Granted, they're very different issues. Yes. But you know what I'm saying? Like these kind of like little slogans we throw out often don't even don't even really hold up because the truth is really complicated issues are never going to be summarized with a little slogan. 
Nope. Like, and again, like you're saying, no one's mind is going to be changed. And that's so interesting that she posted that because that is actually what changed my mind. It was not, it was not someone convincing me. And it was obviously an evolution over years, but it was never someone convincing me that, you know, it was this or it wasn't that. No, it was really just a conversation where I really, or a conversation with myself thinking about like ethics. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is going to be really intense to say, but like sort of my ethical position was like, if we're looking at like net suffering Mm -hmm. and I looked at like, I mean, this, this moment of, you know, aborting a pregnancy and there is really like, there's no sentience, no real like pain or consciousness. And then that's just like, like that. And I compare that to Oh God, you know, like a parent who's strung out, like all that kind of stuff. Even before that, childbirth alone. Totally. As two women who have given (sighs) birth, and I'll tell you, as a woman who's given birth as a sexual abuse survivor, Mm. hardest thing I've ever Mm. done in my life. Mm. Pregnancy. Pregnancy. Yeah, take it back. I mean, it is so much, and I think that we culturally don't have a reverence for birth. Mm Mm-hmm or for motherhood, or for pregnancy. And so it's easy to go, oh, you just work until you're nine months and you're perfectly fine and nothing, you know. It's like, I'm changing. I'm I'm giving birth to a child. I'm also giving birth to a new version of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm also, my whole life is about to change. Mm-hmm. I'm also about to go through a great deal of hurdles that I'm going to go through on my own because there is no system in place to really support us no. in our motherhood no. journey. Yeah, no. And I think it's really dismissive too. Like I always grew up with being like, oh, adoption. It wasn't until I had my own mm. kids where I was like, oh my God, like one, the trauma to a newborn of being separated from a mother, even if they're going to a loving biological yep. family, is immeasurable. To be a mother and to hand over your child and to have your leaking breasts and all of these things and to go home, yeah. it's, it's unfathomably painful. I truly can't imagine. It doesn't matter if you didn't want to be a mother, whatever. Like That is a biological impulse that is creates so much like suffering and just and like pain. the disrespect of like that that's just your job like just give yeah. the baby up you're yeah. a baby making machine yeah. now yeah and it's it it doesn't allow again for like the reverence or the care or the ne- necessary support that you know and I think adoption is a beautiful thing prior to my divorce my husband and I wanted to adopt yeah because it is I beautiful. didn't want to give birth to another child. I think that's an amazing thing. And I think people go like adoption, adoption, adoption. There are 500,000 kids in foster care right now. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like the percentage of people who actually go through with like, um, it actually is really crazy when people want to adopt. I remember looking up these stats when I was pregnant with Ruth, actually, um, because... You know, my look, guys, I've been through an unplanned pregnancy, so I can speak from that perspective, too. And my boyfriend of three months did not want me to have the baby at all. And I can't even imagine being with someone who is abusive, violent. I mean, it would 
it puts someone's life in danger. It yep. puts the mother's the life in danger. The number one cause of death for pregnant women is oh. homicide. Oh. Is they oh get God. murdered by oh. the boyfriends or husbands who didn't want a baby. Oh, it's I I can't I can't imagine. So yeah. I remember looking up the statistics. It is interesting. I think there's only ten thousand uh, infants that are given up for adoption. And a lot of mothers. It's a two and a half to three year long wait list, you guys. Yep. And that's I had money, perfect home. Uh, background checks, all of the things done two and a half to three years to be placed. Well, I know that a lot of mothers who decide to give up for adoption change Change their their mind mind. because again, this impulse is this just purely even biological impulse is so strong, like for a reason. So I was, I've been doing this training for CASA. It's like court appointed special advocates for foster youth. And my supervisor said this phrase, like when we look at a um, a foster child's home, we have to think, is this unacceptable or disagreeable? And the way that I think about abortion, a world with abortion or where abortion is illegal, I look at which one people might see as unacceptable and which one might be disagreeable. And I see a world where people are forced to give birth, forced to bring humans into the world. These aren't when you say baby, also it dismisses the fact mm-hmm. that this is a whole They're life only babies of a for person. a very short period of time. Yeah, for like a year. Then yep. you have the other whatever average ages, 75 years of this person's existence that you're bringing into the world. That is a massive undertaking to bring a human into the world. So I see a world where people are forced to bring millions of new humans into the world against their will. I see that as unacceptable. And I understand how people might see abortion as disagreeable. But when I think that you compare those two worlds, I think one is one can be disagreeable and one is unacceptable. I don't know. That's just the way I look at it in terms of like net suffering. And people talk all the time, you know, a a big thing in pro-life communities is the mental health of the mother when she has an abortion. And I'm like, you want to talk about the mental mental health health. of a mother who's forced to be a mother? Yep. Like, have you all ever gone through having a baby? I wanted my I wanted my baby and she came and I suffered Mm -hmm. postpartum with anxiety and OCD and all these things that so many other mothers deal with. Like, you um, that's the rule, not the exception. Right. Most of us are dealing with that, especially in America. Like you said, where we have very little support. Anyway, abortion aside, I think there is a bigger conversation to be had in terms of, like you said, how we can have conversations with people. Yeah. And a big thing to me is, look, not everyone is the person to be able to have a respectful conversation with someone Mm -hmm. who believes the exact opposite. Right. I don't expect everyone to go hug a pro-lifer today or, you know, they're (laughs) pro-life, like, you know, whatever. I get it. It's not for everyone. But do not shit on people who want to do the work to have compassion and empathy for yes. the people that are on the other side. That is what fucking pisses me off. I was on TikTok the other day and I posted some TikTok like, you know, there's this trend like therapy isn't enough. I need to fight my mom or whatever mm-hmm. the, the thing is. So I was like, therapy isn't enough. I need to have a long, compassionate conversation with the pro-life club leader who told me that incest was not a justification for, for abortion. And then people in the comments, literally I got comments that were like, that person doesn't deserve a compassionate conversation. They should be put in jail. They should be put in jail. <laughs> And I commented under that and I go, oh, I used to be that person too. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of grace and compassion for these people, to be honest. 
the comments under that, girl, this ain't it. Um, yikes. This isn't the take. Um, Becca, you know, like all yeah. this stuff of like, yikes, oop, girl, no. And I'm like, shame, indu- what it, the shame inducing language will never get you anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. And you're you're lucky you have a tough enough skin that you can deal with that. Think about the average influencer. Oh, yeah. There's no way. No. Also, it just made me so fucking depressed because I was like, I said I have like compassion for someone. someone I'm not and, saying I agree with them. I have compassion And you're trying for to them. cancel me right now. I know. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Like, how have we landed here, guys? Yeah. Like, uh, and, and what is so hypocritical, I had this, I had this like come to Jesus moment recently where like, you know, I, I, and sometimes struggle with my relationship with my mother, don't we all? Um, but I was struggling because I was like, I want her to just accept me for who I am with my beliefs and where mm-hmm. I'm at. And then, of course, I realized you're not accepting her with all no. of her beliefs and where she's at. No, I want her to be yeah. like me and she wants me <laughs> to be like her. And we can't have peace until one person changes their beliefs like the other. Yeah. And we're both expecting that from each other. And then I was like, wait, whoa, yeah. what if I just gave her the grace that I want her to give me mm-hmm. and said, you're where you're at. I'm where I'm at. And yeah. I just love you. Yeah. You know, like, I love you, even though you're fucking crazy sometimes. <laughs> but like, I love you. And I know that like and this is another thing that that was is really was really hard for me to witness was a lot of dehumanizing language around people who are pro-lifers you know like and and I'm using pro-life just because you know that's what they call themselves I don't really agree with that term anti-abortion groups I should say and a lot of a lot of really dehumanizing language and it was really hard for me because I am like dude you know, it's hard for me to read some stuff because I'm like, I know some of these people who are like this. And I do know that, like, they fucking are the most, like, loving person with, in my opinion, misplaced priorities. But, like, my mom would drop, I mean, she's been volunteering at, like, Crisis Pregnancy Center forever. But, like, she would drop anything to go help anyone because she loves people and she values humans, every human, you know, people will say like, well, what about war? What about the kids in foster care? I'm like, no, my mom literally volunteers with foster kids and is like, she's basically like a pacifist and she cares about humans so much that she, you know, cares about saving every human fetus life too, which again, I, I personally believe it's a misplaced priority, but I'm like, she does care. Like, and it's it's hard to see the way that some people lump everyone into this, you know, into this this vat. You know, you'd posted something the other day um, or a couple like maybe a, m- a month ago and we had a brief conversation and I was like, it was something about how. I don't remember the context, but your response to me was, well, I think people who have a history of addiction or whatever have hmm. like a better, like a more empathetic view and I was like, you'd be surprised. Uh-huh. And then we we ended the conversation. Uh-huh. And it was because there are self-hating uh-huh. everybody out there. Like, I, I, and I was one of them. Mm. I was one of the people who got sober and was against Suboxone Ooh, and was against yeah. all of these things judgy that, like, fuck. judgy as fuck. They're out there. And I can't tell you how many times where I've had conversations because we, we built this treatment center around you know, our slogan is compassion, not control. Mm. And it's about like, just because people in my treatment center have done atrocious, atrocious, AKA they were traumatized and did something 
as a result of that. But what the general consensus would be atrocious yeah. behavior Monsters. or things. Yeah. They would, you would label this person. I, I've sat down next to someone who was in jail for 15 years, vehicle, vehicular manslaughter. Yeah. Killed a, a woman. Yeah. And you sit across from this person and you're doing their intake and you see how much that 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 moment ruined their life. And then you learn about their childhood experience and you go, oh, oh. Yeah. And your heart breaks for them because the one thing that they were using in order to survive ended up impacting their lives in such a harmful way and the lives of other people. Of course, it's a ripple effect. Everything we do is a ripple effect. But I can't tell you how many people in recovery would still judge that person. Yeah. And I can't tell you the family members. You watch your family members suffer, but you don't want to look at like your role in that. And you, you know, I I can't, yeah, a lot of people are like, I don't have empathy for my heroin addict brother. Sorry, he stole all of my parents' money and blah, blah. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, you know? Yeah. Because that heroin addict brother was a victim of incest. A big, uh, a big one, you know, right now on the internet is the narcissists, right? You know what makes the narcissist? You know what makes a narcissist? It's a child who doesn't get any of their emotional emotional needs needs met met. by the people who are supposed to love Mm -hmm. them the most. And then we're not meeting anyone's emotional needs. So they (laughs) scrape and claw to try to get any ounce of validation and attention Mm -hmm. they possibly can. Because that little tiny baby in person was fucking left in their crib to scream for hours. Well, we had, you and I had a very nuanced take on the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. Do you want to go there or yeah, no? Let's go. <laughs> okay. I love it. So it was so interesting because mm. I was talking to some friends that are mental health experts, PhDs. PhDs, you guys, went to school for yeah. this, right? Yeah. And I was talking about how, you know, this this uh, specialist was on the stand basically saying that Amber Heard was diagnosed with borderline personality mm-hmm. disorder and all of these things. And I was like, well, how does one get borderline personality disorder by being a selfish piece of shit don't you know severe severe we are talking about severe we're not talking about cry it out method you guys Mm. we're talking about severe Mm. emotional neglect in the first four years of life think about a four-year-old a baby like ruth's size yeah Yeah. severe Mm. emotional neglect at that age, it changes the neural pathways in your brain. And so you're going to tell me that this innocent child who had no chance. And, you know, we talk a lot about um, ACEs. Are you familiar with the ACE study? Mm-mm. Adverse Childhood Experience Study was done by CDC and Kaiser. And they basically looked at a population of people because they were like, why why do people lose all the weight and then gain it right back? Why do people keep mm. re- chronically relapsing? Mm. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? So they're looking at all of these health, health outcomes and not just what you would expect of negative health, health outcomes, but like various forms of cancer, asthma, you know, chances of ending up in prison, suicide, all yeah. of that was there, but also like just standard health outcomes. Mm-hmm. And they measured it on a score of one to 10. If you scored anything above a three, and this wasn't like big things. It was like your parent was mentally ill. I mean, like if in the first uh, 18 years of life, you experienced 
even two or more of these, your increase, they measured the increase of trauma in various aspects of your life. Okay, so I scored a nine out of 10. I should not be alive. If you score a six or higher, like your chance of committing suicide is somewhere, I think, around like 46% or something like that. Okay. And then they looked at, which is really so interesting. They looked at, okay, so they have these negative health health outcomes. So then you're going, oh my God, the world's on fire. This is because most people experience at least one, right? But what they looked at then was resilience factors. And so there's 10 resilience factors. And the more resilience that you have, the more decrease of negative socioeconomic or health outcomes happen as a result. I'm going to send you all this because you will be blown away by the research. Well, there's 10 of them, but it's it's simple things like, did you have a coach that cared about you, a teacher? Uh, Like there are these 10 things, right? And it's all about our environment. And so I ask everyone here, if most kids in the United States have an A score of two or higher and they need a resilient score of five or higher in order to have better long-term outcomes, my question is this, what are you doing to increase and support those resilience factors? Are you being kind and compassionate to everyone in your life? You're being kind of compassionate to strangers on the internet, like me on the internet. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, what are the things that you're doing in order to help people? I'm actually going to look up the resilience factors right now because it's really interesting. Well, I mean, I think that is sort of like, yeah, what's your net impact on the world? What are you doing to increase or decrease suffering in your Mm -hmm. everyday, in your everyday life? Yep. I mean, the way that people even act on the internet is atrocious. There's this account that I absolutely love that you started following to Clementine Morgan. The second that you posted her stuff, I was like, oh my God. Dude, like... Their work is beyond. I... And so much of what the posts talk about is just... I mean... It's a lot about cancel culture. The The basis of cancel culture, about Clementine's thing with cancel culture, is like, don't tell me that it doesn't exist because it, like, it does. You know You know what is the number one I thing? I don't think I, it exists, but I don't think anyone ever really gets canceled. No, I agree with that, too. I say no that all the time. No one ever really I say gets canceled. all the time. I'm sorry. Who was that cook that, like, said the N-word, and then she's, like, <laughs> back on the Paula doctor's... Dean. Paula Dean. She's back Martha on the Stewart doctor's... Martha Stewart went to prison. Her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Caitlyn Jenner killed someone on PCH. I know. We all She's, talk, all talk we, about white people. Oh, but, my but God. No, but I agree. Like, there's a lot of comedians who are, like, we're, like, canceled for, like, rape, who are, like, back getting Hello Fresh, you know, sponsors <laughs> on their podcast. Yep. You know, it's like, I agree. There's always there's always money in the media that's going to, like, yep. go back to someone 100%. I agree with that. However, the actual impacts of cancellation, like, the number one thing that triggers me, like, I've had close family members who were fucking murdered. Like, I've had... Mm-hmm. Trauma, like when you write it on paper, you're like, this is where the trauma is going to be at. No, you know what sends my body into full panic fight or flight mode? It's thinking about times that people tried to, on the internet, a group of people tried to spin it into me being a pedophile and child abuser and tried to do a whole cancellation thing with that. That... I'm more, I've worked through it a lot, but like six months ago, if someone brought it up, I would literally start to like have shake a panic attack. Yeah, yeah. a panic attack. Yeah. And, uh, and so. you know why that is? Because we're talking about like resilience and what someone needs to thrive. And it is feeling safe in their, their mm. immediate environment and in societally, mm. because the resilience things are a close relationship with competent caregivers or caring adults, mm. 
parental resilience, caregiver knowledge, and use of positive parenting skills. So Having parental sense- resilience, does that mean the parents had the all of these factors? Grow- or like, uh- So uh, to offset any of the ACE. Yeah, okay. You had to have some of these. Okay, okay, okay. Individual competence, problem-solving skills, self-regulation, autonomy, a sense of purpose, right? And communities that value people and support the health and personal growth of every community in the member, every member, member of, of the community. community. And so when we're spending all of this time yelling at people on the internet, breaking people oh, down, man. all of the things. Submitting them you're to your literally, will. Yeah, you're literally doing the opposite of what helps people thrive. Not to mention other people see it and they go, oh, fuck like they get scared dude so I was doing this diagram and and I used to too like probably a couple years ago I would like mock people who'd be like you're scared in the house well quit being a pussy you know until then people <laughs> were trying to cancel me for like and then I'm like what <laughs> um <laughs> so two years ago the way that I would look at it is like it's your it's your responsibility to speak up but then what I noticed was that and this is a little diagram I was like charting out you know, so an event happens, you know, let's say it's Roe versus Wade. Let's say that, you know, you are not posting about it. So I get together a band of me and 30 other people on the internet and we're going to just bombard you be like, you know, maybe we'll even email your sponsors and be like, she's silent. You know, silence is violence, whatever, whatever yeah. little slogan I'm going to throw together. And um, and so you get scared. Right. And maybe you and this is the thing. We don't know people's backgrounds. Maybe you just had a fucking abortion and you're like, yeah. you know what? I don't really want to dredge the up way, that trauma. I did in, in January. <sighs> I literally did in January. And it took me a second. I did go ahead and post a few of those like yeah. Yeah, yeah, me- sure. meme type go, of things. Go, go for but it. But I reserved my comments until I felt really ready. Yeah. Because I've now had one pill abortion and two DNCs. Mm. And it yeah 15 year old heroin addicted alexis had no business one being pregnant because that baby's health was not going to be okay and two raising a child or even giving up for adoption like i was already a traumatized child i don't need to then bring a child into the world and then be traumatized again by losing my child as a result yeah and the next was no heartbeat did the the pill and then again and i've had miscarriages and, you know, then in January, no heartbeat, ended up doing a DNC, which did not take and then needed another DNC. But I will say I'm also a mom who like had a pregnancy with a very wanted child that was my rainbow baby and got the diagnosis of not compatible with life mm. and made the decision to keep that baby and to wait for further testing, which I always want people to understand that that's a privilege in its own because I had the ability to uh, be on bed rest from home. I didn't have to work. I had the financial initial testing too is like a couple hundred dollars. It could be thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Because my insurance didn't cover my CVS test, which was my first um, comprehensive screen that I had to do. And they didn't cover my amnio either. And I live in a state where if at any time my life was at risk, I could go ahead and have a late term abortion. That that whole experience in itself traumatized me. Like, I'm so glad that I did it because I love my daughter who ended up being special needs, of course. But again, who's taking care of me? No one takes care of me and my special needs kid. Right. 
right. Nobody. Well, they it might is, give you props on the internet. You know, they might go, yeah, you did the right thing. The, yeah, <laughs> stroking my ego is not supporting yeah. me. I have to fight tooth and nail every day for her care. Yeah. Against pediatricians, against the school system, against my insurance company. I shelled out thousands of dollars to have her properly evaluated and diagnosed, not to mention the fact how many nannies have quit on me Uh, because they don't know how to care for her, how expensive like specialist nannies are to care for. It is, there is no help in place. And can you imagine do that? Can you imagine if you didn't have the resources that you have? What would her quality of of life life be? be? Yeah. Like suffering. Suffering. Even now she's suffering. I, I get backlash when I I get backlash on the internet when I say I wish my kid wasn't autistic. Yeah, of course. Like, People will go, it's a ble- autism is a gift. You are your child is blessed. She can talk. She's overstimulated. She like, is nonstop. constantly overwhelmed. Yeah. Her meltdowns last for hours. They affect the overall, like I'm gonna cry right now. They affect the overall like mental health of me and my oldest yeah. child. Yeah, of course. Like sh- watching your child stim in her bedroom for hours, screaming at the top of her lungs because she is not okay in her body is not a fucking gift. No. Don't tell me that being an autistic parent is a gift or like being neurodivergent is a gift. But people will shit on me for saying that. And I'm it's sure crazy. even parents who have other kids of autistic children because they feel the shame Sh- of feeling that yes, way. Yes, that they you are wish not allowed your child to have wasn't, that space. Yeah, yeah, there's no space for us to even say that. To yeah. say that like, you know, uh, I, I wish that this wasn't the case. Now, do I wish that I never gave birth to her, that I went through with that abortion? No. Yeah. But for fuck's sake, let me just have the space to like feel how I feel about this. Also, even if someone feels that way, like that's a feeling. Like they're not, that's, they're not in turn turning yeah. around and abusing their exactly. child. So if they wish they didn't have the, tri- I mean, that's, and I in wish fact, they didn't feel that way, but that's sad. Yeah. That sucks. In but. fact, I would say that the more that we repress these feelings, the 100%. more that we do act out in unhealthy ways. A hundred percent. Or we just protect it, project it onto other people. Yeah. So when we're, when you're pressuring back to, if you're pressuring someone yeah. to speak out on something, like you said, you don't know if they just have abortion. You don't know if they might even be struggling with infertility and they have a hard time even grappling with the fact that someone might not want to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, like all these things are valid triggers and it is everyone's right. In my opinion, everyone's right. Even an influencer to say, I don't feel like going there today. Cause you know what? Life is so fucking hard. Life is so fucking hard. And guess what? If you follow someone and you don't like that they're not talking about something, you believe it's their responsibility to talk on it, then you can unfollow. You cannot watch. Because you know what people do? And this is so dumb to me. They keep following. They keep watching all the stories to see if you're talking. If you're not talking. They keep, they, they, they message you. And do you know what you're doing? You're actually increasing that person's engagement, which means they're going to end up making more, more money, money on the internet when they do their ads. Yeah. So like, I just have to say it as a pro tip. If you really disagree yeah. with someone, stop watching their shit. It's so funny when people give you one star reviews on the podcast. You're like, I'm Another still getting review? reviews. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, true. at it. Yeah. So I'm just like disengaged, which I also think is just a good lesson in life at large. Yeah. Like if you cannot emotionally grapple with like where someone's at, if you really can't, if it's affecting your 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 mental health and your emotional well-being, if it's putting you in a state of activation, we can't just disengage, Let it go. bro. Just disengage. <laughs> Let it go. Can you imagine the cortisol levels of your followers? Oh my God. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> they must be through the roof. I'm, I'm worried. I for just their want position. everyone who's listening to this, who's maybe feeling like shame, like I've done that. I've done this. Oh my god! The oh my god! Of I've, I, called I've gotten heat in oh. heated conversations as of late with my partner, like oh. where I, you know, I am just not my best self. Oh and my god. It fucking happens. Oh, I've led cans- full cancellation campaigns for people <laughs> that I have now apologized for. But like, no, I've full yeah. been like, lay the torch, punish yeah. them, no more Hello Fresh campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> Which like, who cares? Like, yeah. honestly, who cares? Sure, it's upsetting to see someone who's getting away with like doing bad things and still, but like, who fucking cares? Does it affect you that they're living in a mansion? It really doesn't. It doesn't. And so what you can you're going to you're you're putting a net positive into the world by stopping that person from living in a mansion. And what Clementine always says on on their Instagram page is like stopping like harm is kind of like the goal here. So if you are like, let's say someone is an, a predator, right, or mm-hmm. is preying upon people and you are putting their photo out there. That is I believe that this is just my personal belief. I believe that's different because you're hopefully spreading awareness so that other people are not yeah. like harmed by this person. Someone saying something disagreeable on the Internet that sure might cause emotional harm to you. You can literally unfollow or block them and never see their page again. And uh, yeah. everyone else has the personal responsibility and ability to do so. I remember someone messaging me and being like, I got off the internet for a few days because there was something going on and I was just like, I can't handle this. And someone messaged me being like, not everyone has the privilege to like get off Instagram. And I was like, yes, you do. (laughs) Literally everyone does. (laughs) Literally everyone. And you should maybe at this point. (laughs) Even if you're running your business on Instagram, which I do, I can also just not look at the DMs or comments and not look at anyone's stories or posts. And I can just preserve my mental health and post whatever I need to post. Literally Mm -hmm. everyone has the privilege privilege and the ability to step away from internet spaces that are activating them too much for whatever reason. So anyway, I've just gotten to the point now where I'm like, I don't feel like that's a good use of my energy to try to cancel people. Why am I not instead just continuing on in my integrity, speaking the things that I believe are true and right, and you know, trying to uplift other people who I believe are doing the same thing. And be open to learning. Well, right. Be because I will mind. say, I was talking about, uh, or I mentioned earlier about having conversations with my partner. And as I'm listening to his perspective, I'm like, oh, hmm. you grew up in the Midwest. And mm-hmm. everything that you're saying in your experience is valid and true. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's very, like, with it. And, all, all, you know, it's not like major disagreements. But it's like, you know, the, we had a conversation. I even sometimes... I will hear what I think I'm hearing, but he's saying something completely different just because I... We're all projecting our own shit. We're all projecting our own shit. And so I have to pull back and go, take a breath. He's not attacking you. Like, you're having a conversation, but you just, you feel so triggered by the whole topic in general. I think, too, like, there has to be, like, space and empathy for women who are having their rights taken away right now, period. yeah. Yeah. And again, if you don't like the way someone's talking about it, then just don't yeah. just unfollow. Yeah, you can <laughs> you can do that. That's fine. You know, it, what I thought about when you were talking about the person who said, oh, well, I can't, not everyone can just get off Instagram. Isn't it, we're just, it's so sad that culturally we're at a place where we value social media over our direct connection with one another. I know. And that's really like the heart of all of this is that our communities and our our individual and collective connection is so broken and 
we are spending our time being distracted by yelling at each other on the internet rather than sitting down and having a dinner table discussion. Yeah. Or just, about these things. Again, if you're not in a position to have those conversations, then just like focus on focus on your work, right? Yeah. And the work. So over that phrase, but like the work is not, I guarantee it's not harassing people on the no. internet. That's no. not, no. No. Um, but I think even starting with your interpersonal relationships, right? Like I feel like all of this comes down to, are you trying to submit other people to your will? And I had to evaluate recently, like the ways that I am trying to submit my partner to my will all the time mm. through ultimatums, through all these same avenues that I would on the internet with strangers or public figures to try to coerce them, to try to, you know, threaten them into operating the way that I want them to. And I was doing the same thing to my partner. I still, I'm still working on it. You know, even as simple as like, you know, well, I don't want you doing this when you go out. Okay. Well, you're going to do it anyway. Well then, you know, whatever, whatever the little consequence might be. And granted there are boundaries. There are always boundaries, but recognizing when I am trying to control him, when I'm trying to bend him to my Mm -hmm. will to try to make him see the world the way that I see it, it's, and how much of it work. is him or your fears? And then you're responsible my, my for fears. your own fears. All my fears. We're all responsible for our own fears. And that's not to say that we can't make requests yeah. towards our loved ones that like, this is something that I'm really needing from you because it's making me feel uncomfortable. You yeah. have every right to request yeah. that. And they have every right to say no. <laughs> right. And yeah. you have every, you know, to then go to your therapist and do the work around yeah. that. Yeah. Or step um, away if that relationship is not serving you in the way you need it to. Like, absolutely. You know, not that that should um, be the first instinct. But. No, it's like the bottom line for me is this that the only way moving forward is compassion and that's towards ourselves towards our most intimate relationships and towards the world yeah and until we you know because the reason your partner has that position or has a thing or whatever is because something's going on with them too like every oh my god there's so many different like factors and things coming into everyone's the main character of their own life life. (laughs) and so it's really important that you know, we start to to have compassion towards each other and to be more loving and kind and and, and tolerant. And, and our we have a couple therapists that always goes, wait, 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 stop, slow down, like slow down, because they're going. And then he said this, and then when he said that, and he's like, slow down, like what are you mm. feeling right now? What's going on in your body? Yeah, pause. Let's yeah. just take a deep breath, slow down, evaluate where am I at. Which is so hard to do. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's so important. Yeah. I mean, when our autonomic nervous systems get flooded with cortisol, we can do some pretty crazy shit. Also, gosh, we could go on. We could go on. Because then it can go on on about like spirituality and womanhood and all of the different things. I mean, there's just so many layers. I was just going to say 50% of the United States practically voted for Trump, right? Mm hmm. So like one in two people. So it doesn't have to be your personal calling to befriend all the racists and be, befri- you know, whatever. No. But if we do, <laughs> going to a political ramp, like if we do want to actually like change things, the only th- way we can do that is by like removing money from like corporate power and like yeah, the powers that happen. be. I mean, it has happened in other countries before if we can unionize and get together. Well, but there, there is, you go. Literally, if you cannot talk to your fellow employee because she voted yeah. for Trump, well, they're never going to join your team, <laughs> they're right? They're never going to be on the same team. No. And we are, we're so, we're so focused on this infighting. We're not like, we're, we're, we're not, you're not my, my employee who voted for Trump is not my enemy. No. 
They're they're not the ones oppressing me. Even your pro-life neighbor who you might fucking hate. She's not the one that took that that overturned Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Even though she might support it. She's not the one that's responsible for it. We're we're misplacing our anger. Mm. <sighs> we all want to feel safe and we all want to feel secure and loved. We every single person wants that. We're all born to this world modern. Not only that, we need that. Yeah. Like if survive, we look at Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like the way towards self-actualization <laughs> is through having these basic needs met and being loved, feeling connected, being a part of a community. That's the base level of that. Maybe we can provide a little more of that to each other. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was such an epic conversation. I absolutely loved having you on and um where can everyone follow along and listen i'm sure they already know but we got to do it at becca on instagram because i bought it for 500 dollars. did you really yes i did <laughs> i was like girl how much you want for your ads <laughs> and i got to b-e-k-a-h and then on tiktok i'm becca underscore martinez i'm blowing up on tiktok right now with bachelor secrets oh, i actually it. almost got sued today by the bachelor <gasps> well not sued today but they literally sent me emails today being like you need to delete all your tiktoks or we're oh going to jesus <laughs> wow so that's fun that and then chatty broads is my podcast cool with my lovely co-host jess love it thank you this week's affirmation is i trust the process of life and so it is If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at Recovering From Reality or visit my website, recoveringfromreality.com. 